Well, it's a real blessing to be able to be here with you today. Um, Eastgate Bible Church is by far one of my most favourite churches, um, and it's wonderful to see some old friends and new um, here today as I look around. Um, so to start, I've got a question for you. Does anyone here know what the world's most popular podcast is? Feel free to shout it out. I'm not shy. The world's most popular podcast. <laughs> I hear Hamish and Andy. <laughs> well, um, the world's most popular podcast is actually uh, called the Joe Rogan Experience. Now, I'm sure I, I hear the ahs in, in the room, so yep, a few of you know it. Um, if you haven't heard of it, the Joe Rogan Experience is basically, um, well, Joe Rogan's a, a secular comedian, and he conducts three-hour-long interviews sometimes with fascinating people from all over the world. Um, You name the area of interest or of human achievement, Joe Rogan has probably had an expert or someone in the pinnacle of their field on his show. He's had uh, the Twitter CEOs, he's had Elon Musk, not at the same time, obviously. Um, He's had uh, a North Korean defector on, he's had a a professional big game hunter um, he's had, you know, name the actor, um, name the socialite, he's had them on, and really from all over the place. And this is not a blanket endorsement of the Joe Rogan experience um, from the pulpit here today. Um, it's exactly what you expect with a secular comedian. Um, but he does have a knack for finding people in professions that are out of this world. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment that one day you decide to tune into this podcast. And I want you to imagine that the episode that you listen to features yet another multi-billionaire. Now, as you listen in, and as the episode progresses, you realise this isn't just any old multi-billionaire. And you can very quickly figure out why Joe has him on. This multi-billionaire is famous for his quest for self-improvement. He spends years and years of his life booking back-to-back appointments with experts, from the smartest academics to the wisest religious gurus, the best of the best, back-to-back interviews with for years of his life. This multi-billionaire's goal, his stated goal, is to become one of the most knowledgeable men on earth. And he has a vast library to back him up. That's what he endeavours to do. He wants to leave no field untouched and no area of human wisdom unexamined. Now, that actually isn't the most interesting part about this particular guest. After years and years of going down that path, this guest decides to do the complete opposite of that. He decides to experience the most stupidest, maddest, foolish irrational things that human experience has to offer. So, the, heaven, the seven habits of highly effective people, he's going to try to write the book on the seven most effective ways to be ineffective. Um, you think about um, being busy or learning things, what the gurus say you should do, he's going to do the opposite. How to have a good relationship with your significant other, he's going to do the total opposite every time. And he spends at least a couple of years doing this. How to run a business? Nah, chuck out that book. I'm going to do the opposite of whatever that book says. That's how he rolls. 
That's how we live life. And as a side note, this multi-billionaire also has this hobby, right? He has this hobby of sort of like an amateur architect, and he literally founded his own company, which sole purpose is to construct the buildings that the multi-billionaire invents on a lazy Saturday afternoon on his sketch pad out the back on his veranda. In fact, this whole architectural hobby is one of the few stable things in this billionaire's life. Now, as this podcast goes on, you realise that this billionaire has experienced far more than you or I probably ever will in life. We don't have the money to do this stuff. We don't have the time. But he does. And he's done it. So eventually, Joe asks this multi-billionaire the question that pretty much we're all wondering. Um, Joe asks the billionaire, so you've lived life like this. You've done the most wisest things, the most stupidest things out there. What have you learned? Do you have anything to share with us about human existence? Like, please, tell us. Go for it. And the billionaire sort of like sits back a bit in his chair. And you can see he's even asked this question before. And he sits back and he goes, Joe, I would label everything I've done under three headings. Everything fits under these three. Everything that I've done is either useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. Useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. I've done so many things that just didn't work out that were useless. 99% of the stuff I've done, it's been temporary and doesn't exist anymore. And incomprehensible. Joe, I've had times where I have done everything the gurus said, everything the manual said, and the entire venture fell apart. And I've had other times when I've done the total opposite of what all the wisdom says, And it all came together. It fitted perfectly. So yeah, simple. It's useless, it's temporary, or it's incomprehensible. And in fact, I was speaking to a Jewish rabbi about this once, who I had over up to my office. And the Jewish rabbi actually said that his people, the Jews, have this Hebrew word to talk exactly about what I'm saying. The Hebrew word is hevel. And it basically means like a vapour or smoke. And you think about it, right? Smoke, it's pretty useless most of the time. Um, it's temporary, it doesn't last long. And um, you don't know where it's going to go. It's, it's incomprehensible. So I think the Hebrew is on or something, Joe. Um, so that's what I say, life is hevel. Life is hevel. That's how I'd sum it up. Now, it's at this point you decide to turn off the podcast because it's pretty bleak, right? And you decide that maybe you'll go home and you'll read your Bible. Now, it's February 2023 and you're actually going pretty well in your Bible reading plan. And you're up to... Ecclesiastes. And you begin to read Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes starts, as we've all just heard, with, uh, I think it was vanity, vanity. Everything is vanity. All is vanity. I'd love to tell you how it ends, but you already know. All is vanity. 
everything is vanity. That's pretty much how it ends as well. Now, there's a twist on the end, but you'll see at the start and the finish that word vanity. And that word vanity, or meaninglessness, I think, in the NIV, that's hevel. That's that word hevel that we were talking about. And in fact, if you want to know just how bad it gets, uh, hevel is mentioned 38 times in Ecclesiastes, a book of only 11 or 12 chapters. Um, Let me tell you some of the things that God's inspired word says is hevel. Put your hard hat on for this one. Seeking pleasure is hevel. Working is hevel. Being extremely wise is hevel. Rivalry between you and your neighbor is hevel. Laboring and depriving yourself of fun things is hevel. Trusting in humanity is hevel. Trusting in dreams and words is hevel. Loving money and abundance is hevel. Having a dissatisfied soul is hevel. The fact that the righteous die and evil people live is hevel. The future is hevel. Everything is either useless, temporary, or incomprehensible. Now, to bring these truths home into this room right now, I think in one sense we all know this is true. Like, you think about it, we've all done things in our lives that is useless. We've all done useless things in this place. What about temporary? Well, as I look around here, I do see some uh, ancient saints with a lot of wisdom, and I reckon those ancient saints could probably count maybe on two hands the things in their lives that have remained stable. Everything else is temporary. And what about incomprehensible? Uh, you want to talk about 2019 to 2022? Anyone? <laughs> How many things changed in our lives? How many things shifted? It felt like we were living inside one giant question mark whenever you turned on the news feed on your phone or on the TV. You never knew what the next day brought. It was in many ways incomprehensible. How many things changed in our personal relationships because of the last three years? How many of us changed our work? How many of us experienced the fact that so many things in our lives that we thought were stable weren't? Hevel. Everything is useless, temporary, or incomprehensible, um, or a combination of that. And since this is the case, well, actually, no, let's rewind a bit. Uh, Black Swan events. Let's just throw that in there. Anyone heard of Black Swan events? Yeah, you've, you've lived through one, Ray. Um, we've all lived through one. Uh, Black Swan events, uh, Google it, are events that are extremely rare, extremely serious, and despite everyone's words in hindsight, cannot be predicted by the vast majority of experts when they occur. Anyone had any black swan events in your life? That's, that's what we experience. And since this is the case, since the Bible teaches that this is the universe that you and I inhabit, how should we live? I've got three ideas, and I want to bounce them by you today. The first one is this. Um, if you're feeling a bit depressed, um, if you're actually a bit more of a pessimist than an optimist, or if maybe you're just someone who takes this book seriously when it says everything is hevel, um, firstly, take a deep breath in your chair and realize that there is no such thing as a one sided coin. Now, what do I mean by that? Um, Ian, if you could do me a favor, mate, would you be able to put up the first slide? Okay, you can't see much from here, neither can I. 
Uh, this is a photo that I took at the corner of Margaret Street and Lindsay Street. Okay? It's a memorial. Now, how many have people have ever seen this memorial before? Just a quick show of hands. Okay, yep, so a minority. Okay, um, let's go to the next slide, Ian. Okay, this is who's it's for. Erected by the citizens by, as an appreciation of the service rendered to the Toowoomba District by William Charles Peake on the 8th of August, 1936. Who here remembers William Charles Peake? No one, right? But William Charles Peake was so popular, he was so loved by the people of Toowoomba, they all donated towards this marble monument, which wasn't cheap back in the day. What did he do? Well, he was a prime planner and organiser of the Toowoomba CBD in the late half of the 19th century, early 20th century. He was also a great philanthropist and he did great charity works. And he was loved so much that when they erected his tombstone, they also erected this. How does this relate to Hevel? Well, remember, there's no such thing as a one-sided coin. His work, in some ways, is useless. You can't pick up his work when you walk through the CBD. You can't say, oh, yes, there was, you know, Peak's work, etc. Um, temporary, most of the buildings he erected aren't there anymore. Some are, but certainly not all. And incomprehensible. Uh, most of you guys didn't even know where this was or who he is. <laughs> so that's one side of the coin. But flip it for a moment and see the other side. What he did made Toowoomba the way it is today. He set up buildings, he set up charities. There'd, there'd be people alive today because of his charity work that wouldn't be alive because of him. That's useful. What about temporary? Well, we're still having the effects of what he's done when you drive through the CBD. You just don't know it. So some things are permanent and incomprehensible. You now understand the impact that Mr. Peak had on our community. So there's always two sides to the coin. Bring it to your life right now. That useless thing you did, you learnt something from that, didn't you? You're thinking of that thing right now, that useless thing that you did, but you learnt something from it. That's useful. That temporary thing that you did, that, you know, that shed you erected that fell down, or that cake you made that no one really ate, um, the, the reality is everything that you do, everything that I do, makes an indelible imprint on the eternal soul around you, right? You're surrounded by eternal souls. And even those useless temporary things has an indelible imprint that lasts forever. That frustration, that patience, that whatever, it makes a mark, right? It makes a mark. And as for comprehensibility, what you're doing now will echo in eternity. You know these things. What I'm saying to you makes sense. So the first response to the reality of Hevel is to realize there's no such thing as a one-sided coin. Now, the second response, I think James sums up really well. Can we go to the third slide here? Check out this. Come now, you at Eastgate Bible Church, who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. What is your life? For you're like a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, Eastgate Bible Church, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil. So heaven knows the right thing to do and fails to do it. For him is a sin. 
I want you to focus on that word, missed. Did you catch that a little while back? James is having echoes of Ecclesiastes right there. Because Hevel means mist, vapor, or smoke. And you are a, a mist, a vapor, or a smoke. We don't know what's happening next. So the only right response in the cyclonic winds of Hevel, which rattles our diary pages and rattles our lives, is to actually, in, in many ways, baptize your diary. Baptize your diary. You need to say, if the Lord wills, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. If God opens the door, this is what's going to happen tomorrow. And you gun it. You trust Him and you gun it in that direction. But you're always conscious that you are not in control ultimately. That you serve a good God. Don't be like the people outside this church who are enslaved to the lie that the plane is crashing and there's no one at the driver's seat or the pilot's seat, so to speak. It may feel like that some days. It's not. God is directing all events in history. He is affecting your history. He is writing your story. And He's not asleep at the wheel. He's not evil. He's good. And He's powerful. He's so powerful that He can even hijack Hevel and use it for good. And as I tell my kids at the high school where I work, if you want any example that God can hijack evil and use it and incorporate it into His good plan... Look no further than the cross. The greatest evil humanity has ever done, hijacked into the greatest good. That's how God goes. That's how He does things. And that's what He will do for you. Because that's how He operates with Hevel. And you're in that contested space. So hold fast to that fact. Baptize your diary. And hold fast to the fact that the author has a plan for you. Even when the winds of Hevel seem chaotic. Lastly, this is more of, a, more of a very personal thing. Um, I know there are people in this room who this will resonate with. Um, you don't get a clean break from 2022, um, and you know it. Um, there is no such thing as a reset from 2022, and you're carrying things. There are things that happened last year that still weigh extremely heavily upon you. And it's not just 2022, it's, it's a lifetime. There are things that are so difficult and that are so crushing that sometimes you would even struggle to have the words to say. You can't keep your thoughts straight on this. You, you can barely speak it out loud. If you're in that place, if you're in that place where you wish there's a reset button and there's not, and you've been a victim of the hevel of this world, then go to the garden. Go to that garden where you will see a man who is sweating blood. He makes the garden bloody with his stress and with his fear, so to speak, of the future. You see Jesus, and as he prays, he knows what's coming. He knows what's ahead. He knows the hevel ahead of him. And he prays and he prays and he is so tense. He's like a sponge that is being wrung out and the emotional stress is so strong that he makes the garden bloody. I have not experienced stress to that level when I think to the future. I don't think anyone here may have, unless you're part of a very small minority in human history. But the fact is, he knows 
He sees you and He knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like. And He loves you. And He's experienced that. He's been there. And that's not going to change His love for you one bit. And that's not going to change His power over the storms of heaven in your life. He knows. He knows. And if you're walking with an emotional limp, then I'd encourage you. See the man who walks with a cross, who limps with a cross, up to that mountain. Which was heavier? The cross he's carrying? Or the emotional weight of the mockery and the pain? He's lacerated with whips and now he's being lacerated with words. Which cuts deeper? He knows what it is to walk with an emotional limp. He knows. He knows. And he sees you. He sees you. And if you're at the place where you just feel like your circumstances are dark, they're black, there's no light, you don't even know how you're operating today. You honestly don't know. With that tiny flicker of faith that brought you to church today, to be with the rest of God's people, I want to encourage you to go to Saturday. Not Sunday. I want you to go to Saturday. I want you to stand in the darkness of Jesus' tomb. And as you're in there, the tomb is, is closed. It's closed by the powers of darkness. There is no light. It's cold. And you're standing there near the body of your dead Messiah. And I reckon, even with the knowledge that you have as a 21st century Christian, I reckon you'd whisper. I reckon you'd stand over Jesus' body. I reckon you'd whisper. And you'd whisper things like, for the Son of Man will be given over to death and He will rise again on the third day. I reckon you'd whisper a psalm. Something like, you will not let your Holy One see decay. And as you open your eyes and you look around in that blackness, the answer you get is silence. It's silence. It's Saturday. But Sunday is coming. And you know what? If you're standing there right now in your circumstances in that dark place, I want you to whisper with that little ounce of strength, that God-given grace that's left in you, that spark. I want you to whisper. I want you to whisper words like, for we know that we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For we know that all things work together for good, for me and for, those, for all those who love Him and are called according to His purposes. And if you whisper those words, the answer you're probably going to get today, it's probably going to be silence. But your Sunday is coming. And I say that to you, not on my own authority, not as my own opinion, but on the authority of the one who has bought you his Sunday at the price of his blood. Your Sunday has been bought. And you cannot forget that. There was a blood price to your Sunday. There is a blood price to your circumstantial resurrection. It has been paid 
and it will be paid out to you in love. Maybe it's next week. Maybe it's next week. That thing that you're struggling with, that weight you've been carrying for so many years, maybe next week is your Sunday. Maybe it's next month. Maybe it's next year. Maybe even your Sunday is the final Sunday. That final Sunday when Hevel is defeated. That final Sunday where there's no more bloody gardens, where there's no more tombs, where there's no more evil, no more sadness, no more sickness. That final Sunday when Jesus returns, maybe by God's grace, that's going to be your circumstantial Sunday. But it's yours. It's been paid for. And the Christ who died on the cross, who spent that time in darkness and who rose again, has not only paid for it, he's committed himself to bringing you to that place. He has committed himself to bringing you to that place. Because that is the type of Christ we follow. And when you believe that, when you get that, something happens in you. You start to experience the freedom to own your finitude and to rest in his infinity. To own your finitude and to rest in his infinity. That's the freedom that's yours. That's the freedom that the teacher in Ecclesiastes and the Spirit of God would have you walk in today. I'm going to pray now. And I firmly believe that you are here for a reason on February the 5th. There's a reason why in God's providence you're here. The Holy Spirit wants to do something in you and with you in response to this message. That's why you're here, not at home. So I'm going to pray a little bit and then I'm going to spend a minute. It's going to be a long minute. A minute of silence. And I'm going to encourage you to do whatever you need to do with God to have whatever conversation you need to have with God right now that you feel the Holy Spirit is telling you to have. It's like the old discipleship analogy. When, when you start, start to follow Christ, your, your life is like a house and you let him in through the front door and you let him in to the different areas of your room and event, in, in your house. And eventually Jesus says to you, what's behind that door? What's in there? And you say, oh, uh, that's uh, nothing, Jesus. Nothing's in there. And Jesus says, I know what's in there, but I want you to let me in there. Today, if you've got a room like that, if the Holy Spirit's knocking on that door, and you know what that door is, I think it's time you talk with him. I think it's time you respond to his knocks. I think it's time you let him shine his healing, restorative light in that space. But you've got to open the door. You've got to let him in that place, in that pain, in that sin, in that whatever. So I'm going to pray. We're going to have a minute of silence. And I'm going to encourage you. Let him in. Let him in. Jesus, I thank you that you are so good. I thank you that you don't stop knocking. I thank you that you are Lord over heaven. And I thank you that you love every person here and that you have a purpose. Jesus, I pray you'll glorify yourself 
about sending your spirit into this room. And Holy Spirit, I ask you to have your way in this place. And I pray for soft hearts, for unlatched doors, and for you to do whatever you need to do in this place to bring yourself glory and to bring us the healing and the joy that's our blood-bought right because you're that good. We spend this time now talking to you. Jesus, your knowledge of us is unmatched and your love for us still is stable and unparalleled. Help us to walk in that fact at a new level this week, we ask in your name. Amen. If you started a long-delayed dialogue with Jesus on some topics just then, keep that dialogue going. Keep that dialogue going. He'll listen, and he's good. And in our own way now as a church, we're going to keep that dialogue going through communion.